Okay, uh, six o'clock, we are live. Uh, well, welcome everybody to tonight's event. Um, this is a leadership debate for candidates for Oregon Republican Party. Uh, my name is Alex McCadden. I'm the chair of Union County Republicans and I will be one of the moderators tonight. Uh, next up, uh, Lauren, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Lauren Christensen. I'm the media director for Young Republicans of Oregon and I'll also be um, the one of the panelists. Thank you. Ari? Yes, I am with the Young Republicans of Oregon and I uh, create content for our YouTube channel and I am one of the panelists. Wonderful. Uh, next, uh, Jordan. Hello everyone, my name is Jordan. I am the secretary of the Young Republicans of Oregon and will also be one of your panelists tonight. Awesome. And can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what Young Republicans of Oregon does, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. So the Young Republicans goal is to really bridge the gap um, from not only the uh, the high school time on, but specifically college until, uh, you know, the age 40. So anywhere between 18 and 40, um, we just see a need for uh, bringing up the youth to uh, the millennials and, and other generations of, of young leaders in our state. Um, if you would like to support that effort, uh, you can find us and donate on WinRed, or we would love for you to join us. We have weekly Zoom meetings where on Saturday at 8 p.m. where we discuss state and national leadership, different policies. Uh, we have special guests speaking on economic policy. So we'd love for you to join us. You can find our link on Facebook, and on Instagram, as well as follow our podcast as well. Um, but Saturday night at 8 p.m. weekly to join the discussion. Awesome, thank you, Jordan. Um, so just so everybody who's watching knows, uh, we have uh, seven out of eight candidates uh, who filed for ORP leadership tonight. Um, the way the order is gonna go, uh, we primarily decided the order of question answers uh, by coin toss. Um, every candidate, uh, not every candidate is going to get the opportunity to answer every question. They were given the questions that they were prepared uh, to answer in advance. Um, each candidate's going to get a two minute opening and closing statement time uh, for every question. Every candidate's going to get up to one minute uh, to make their initial response. And then uh, once they are done, they will get up to 30 seconds to rebut if they so choose. Um, and that's how the flow is going to go. Uh, Lauren? Yeah, so our first um, question, well, our first, in, um, I guess, opportunity to speak for, every, for all the candidates is, um, would each candidate introduce themselves and discuss why they are running or um, seeking re-election? We'll start with Dallas and then Bill, Sonny, Herman, Dennis, David, and then Becky. Would you like me to go now? Yes. All right. Um, hello, everyone that's joining us tonight, and thank you for the opportunity to come on here and introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Dallas Hurd. I'm the senator for Southwest Oregon, and uh, I'm a father of two sons and the husband of my wife, uh, Hannah, for 12 years now. Small business owner for 16 years. Uh, started my business out of high school, and my wife and I have partnered together to make that what it is up to this point. I've been serving in the state legislature for just over six years now, and um, <clears throat> the primary reason that I'm seeking to serve you as uh, the ORP chair 
is simply put, we are really um, desperate for change at the legislative level, um, meaning we all need to unite as Republicans and Constitution-believing Americans behind a common uh, voice and movement to really take back this state. Because if we can take back Oregon, obviously it helps us here at home, but it also means we can take back America and this this current struggle that we're dealing with. So um, in this couple minutes, uh, short little session here, I'm easily put, um, I'm here to do all the hard work. I'm here to um, help bring you together. I'm here to uh, give you a voice at the ORP level. I really have found a, a common interest as I've toured the state, talking to all of our delegates to really get involved on a more in-depth level. I run into young men and women from their 20s to their 50s across the state all the time that are saying, hey, I'd really like to plug into the Oregon Party, Oregon Republican Party. How can I get involved? And um, so I've got a lot of different ideas that we'll probably discuss tonight and some on Saturday. Um, but in large part, I just really believe in the power of you. And if life has taught me anything in the legislature, it's that concentrated power corrupts absolutely. And so I'm really looking to take what I believe our state should be doing in state government also to the party and really unconcentrate the power at the party uh, top of the ticket and really give it back to you, the delegates, whether it's the financial decisions, uh, but certainly getting involved on the ideas and whatnot. And I'm just really looking to uh, work with you and roll our sleeves up, sleeves up and take back this state. All right, thank you, Senator Hurd. Uh, next up, uh, Chairman Bill Courier. Oh, sorry, sir, you're muted. Thank you, uh, Alex and crew, for putting together this Young Republicans uh, of Oregon event. Uh, I can see that it's been well uh, prepared. Uh, I appreciate all the detail you've put into that. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, our, uh, our party has a big decision to make on, uh, on uh, Saturday. And um, I think it's a matter of such importance that everyone should be well informed about who's running and why they're running. Uh, there has been quite a bit of misinformation. I hope we get a chance to correct some of that that's been out. But as far as myself, I started as a PCP. I'm still a PCP today. I was actually elected a PCP in 2006. I worked my way up through uh, chair or PCP, vice chair, chair of the county party, and then became uh, vice chair of the state party and then uh, chair of the party. Um, what The main reason that I'm running is so that we retain the party as a grassroots organization. Uh, the bottom line basically is that uh, if we uh, want to continue to build on the successes that we already have, we're not in a decline, we're in an upward trend right now, despite what's being said. Uh, we've raised quadruple the money, we've uh, increased activism by over 60%, and we have um, a lot of opportunity going forward to start winning elections based on an army that's been built. I'd hate to see that uh, all of that energy, all of that momentum lost. Uh, and so to me, this the big question is whether we're gonna re remain a grassroots organization bottom up uh, because the uh, elected officials serve the um, PCPs and the activists in the state and the, and the Republicans in the state, not the other way around. Sunny is next. Hi, uh, thank you very much. And thank you Re Young Republicans of Oregon for putting this on and providing this venue tonight. I'm Sunny Danforth. I'm the chair of Umatilla County. I've just been elected to my second term, which is two years, a term is two years. 
and I uh, became a PCP in 2013, and I have worked my way up through the party, being vice chair for four years before being asked to run for chair. So I'm uh, running for vice chair. Uh, so I'm also the uh, finance director. This past year, uh, I was. Um, Bill asked me to be the finance chair for the Oregon Republican Party in order to up our game with our fundraising. I say, fine, yeah, with our fundraising, uh, which is what we've done. We've, we've certainly made a wonderful plan, implemented it, raised a lot more money, and I would like to continue doing that. So, you know, I'm running uh, for vice chair because I would like to continue the momentum that we have under Chairman Courier's leadership. I see so many areas that uh, in my time that I've been involved and been able to come to central committee meetings, there's been so many improvements in the Oregon Republican Party uh, compared to just six years ago when it was a complete mess. So it takes a lot of time and takes energy to uh, turn a party around and get the momentum moving forward. And I am, I'm very happy to be a part of the team that has helped that along even at the county level because even at the county level is the successes of our state. It's not just the chair of the party. It is all the county chairs working together to move the party forward. And Chairman Courier has brought this vision and leadership that has helped unite the county and move the party going forward. Thank you. Hey, um, Senator Herman. Yeah. Senator Herman, I love that. Hey, I was really excited about the Young Republicans at this, this venue tonight, and I'll tell you why. If you've listened to me, um, even when I was in the Senator, when I was a Senator, uh, if you've ever come to my office, it's all about young people. And I'm gonna tell you why, it's really easy. I'm the present, you're the future. That's really important to me. I've worked on, and we have a young Republicans uh, group down here in Southern Oregon. And Jordan, I'm going to get them uh, connected with you. They need to be part of what you're doing too. Um, but anyways, eight years in the Senate, two years as a minority leader in the Senate. I led the three walkouts. Uh, we stopped a whole bunch of legislation. Probably the, the the one you read about most was uh, the carbon tax, which is commonly called cap and trade. Um, what we've proven in that caucus that even though you're in the minority, if you go on the offensive, you can win. You can do these things. And we can continue to use that type of mentality. When Dallas, um, Dallas and I have worked really good together. I'm the old guy, he's the young guy. And we work really good together. We have a, a lot of dialogue. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. I probably got a little more wisdom, but between when you add the energy and the wisdom, you got a pretty good team there. And I think that we need to bring this party to a different level. We have to be much more active on getting Republicans elected at all levels especially at the county levels, school boards, county commissioners, city councils, soil water conservation districts, all those special taxing districts. We need to have Republicans uh, filling those seats because that experience, we will see certain people rise to the top and continue on. That's where I started. 
I started in local county government on different. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Commissioner Barrett Sugar. We'll have to move on to the next question. Sorry. Uh, next up is uh, Senator Dennis Linthicum. Well, good. Uh, thanks for having us here. It's a great opportunity to see us and uh, hear from us. Um, I'm uh, currently the Senator for District 28, which is part of Jackson County, Klamath County, Lake County, a sliver of Deschutes and all of Crook County in Central Oregon. Um, and I, uh, I've been in Oregon for 25 years. Um, I, uh, my wife and I raised our kids here at our home and I've lived off the grid for 25 years. So this is where I make all of you guys jealous. I've never paid an electric bill in these 25 years. And, um, you know, that ought to bring a smile to your face because that's the same kind of a story that the Democrats will spin for you. They'll say, you don't have to pay an electric bill for the next 25 years. What you do have to do, however, as a private citizen off the grid in an area where there are no tax credits or subsidies, you have to amass the capital resources to buy the solar panels, to buy the inverters, to install them, to have a backup generator, all of these things. So every story has two sides to it. There's always gonna be a pro and a con depending upon where you live and what your point of view is. You cannot get more Republicans elected without or do a Republican voter drive without clearly communicating what Republicans stand for. And we are the party of liberty. The Democrats are a party of coercion, they're a party of control, they're a party of management. What we represent is the opportunity for everybody to make their own choice. The responsibility is on their back, the choice is in their lap, they get to make the decision. Young parents can decide whether to teach their children um, to be boy and girl as, oops. Time's up. I guess you didn't want to hear about boys and girls. Thank you very much, Senator Linthicum. Uh, Chair David Darnell, uh, Congressional District 5 Republicans. Uh, David, you're muted. I thought I just clicked that darn thing, by golly. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the invitation. Thanks for putting this together. I'm David Darnell, currently chair of CD5. Uh, I am a Republican. Uh, although Joe Biden thinks I might be young, I'm not quite young. But I have raised three young Republicans and one Libertarian. We're still working on her. Hit that darn thing again. So uh, the reason I'm running is I've been in the party uh, for, for a little bit, about a decade. I came in with the uh, Tea Party movement, and I've seen the uh, party transform uh, over the last uh, four to six years uh, into, I think, a force that can actually get some things done. I think the missing ingredient uh, this whole time has been really uh, enough um, enough money, enough fundraising to get some things done. And, and uh, as a, if elected treasurer, I look forward to uh, putting together a budget committee uh, and putting some things into the budget, I think, that will uh, change uh, 2022 and 2024. And uh, with that, I look forward to the rest of your questions. All right. Thank you, David. Uh, last but not least, uh, Secretary Becky Mitz running for re-election. 
Hi, everyone. Um, one thing I am not, I'm not a politician. I'm not used to speaking public speaking. So please forgive me if I'm a little nervous. I'm a second generation Oregonian and a lifelong Republican. I've been a PCP since 2008 when I decided that um, just voting wasn't enough. I had to get more involved. I've been elected secretary and delegate of my local county party. I um, have volunteered for many, many Republican candidates to help get them elected over the years. Um, I am the current uh, ORP secretary. I'm running because um, this is my way of using my skills and my life experiences to help the party to make uh, the state a better place for my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, Jordan, you're next. All right. Thank you, everyone. So for the next question, uh, our order will be David, Dennis, Bill, and then Dallas. Some state Republican leaders believe that there is a potential conflict of interest for elected officials who serve as party officials. One worry, worry is that elected officials would direct funding from the ORP into their own races, which could be a conflict if they face primary challenges. Do you believe there is a potential conflict of interest between party and elected office roles? If so, how should they be handled we will note here that Senators Heard and Senators Lundsicum are state legislatures and Chair Courier is the mayor of the city of Adair Village. So David, you are first. Yeah, I've heard that uh, from a number of people, not just state Republican uh, party leaders. Uh, they've asked me about that. Uh, you know, from a, from a funding point of view, there certainly is, you know, some question if I'm, you know, if I'm a, a state legislator and I'm handed a check, you know, who do I, who do I put the, what account do I put the check into? I put it in my own account, I put it in the caucus account, do I put it in the ORP account? Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how to handle that. Uh, I don't uh, hold a public office, so uh, I don't have that issue, uh, and I do not plan to run for uh, any public office. I think, uh, I think the greater issue, though, uh, and, and I think to, to the detriment of possibly uh, some political ambitions of uh, some of our legislators, uh, is the, uh, I won't call it the inability, but the little, the kind of the rub on messaging. Um, you know, the party itself is, uh, I should have put my timer on. Oh yeah. That was your five seconds. Oh, that was my five seconds. I think, yeah, I think the big, the big rub I think could be on, on messaging is what I was going to get at. All right. Uh, next up, Senator uh, Linthicum. Uh, Thanks for the question. It's a question I also have heard. And I think the, um, the, the key point is accountability. And um, what, what you have, it, it, when I was a county commissioner, I was also, um, I also was a, um, in, in a um, capacity as chair for different committees. I was on the planning commission. I was on the local public safety commission. I was on, and there's all these various areas where you're playing a different role. 
And essentially you put on the hat for whatever game you're in. You put on your baseball hat or your football helmet or whatever. And you play that position and you play that role and you fight that battle. And then you go on to the next meeting, the next game, the next whatever. So I don't see this potential conflict of interest. Um, if, you're, if you're thinking that uh, we're going to collect money and stuff it into our bailiwick and leave the Republican Party dry, um, that's completely contrary to why we're running for office. We're running for office in our... All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Senator Linthicum. That's time for that one. Uh, David, uh, you have 30 seconds if you would like to rebut. And you're still muted. <laughs> when do they, it's 2021. How come we don't have auto unmute? I don't get it. Uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Senator Linthicum. As a matter of fact, if I wasn't running for treasurer, I'd have absolutely no problem voting for him. I love his, uh, his particular stance uh, and his constitutional foundation. Uh, and, uh, and, and I understand uh, where, he's, where he's coming from. Um, I, I think there's a big difference between elected uh, activities and uh, political activities. Uh, and I think that's where the rub will come in. All right, uh, Senator Linthicum, 30 seconds if you want it. Uh, th thank you. Um, I, I appreciate the kind words from David and, and I think the reason we're going through this um, campaign right now is because we believe in the Republican Party. We want to build the party. We want to provide money to young Republican groups in Union County and Medford and in Klamath and in Lane. Anywhere we can sponsor young Republicans, I'd love to do it. I don't know what that buzzer means, but I feel like it's like, oh, okay, sorry. your time's up. So that is your, uh, your 10, second, uh, 10 seconds until you end. So it's the indication to finish up the thought. Okay, okay, we'll learn these odd noises as we go along, thanks. Thank you. All right, uh, next up on the list is uh, Chairman Bill Courier. Well, uh, when the senators filed, I was hit with a flood of calls from state central committee members that were concerned about conflict of interest. Conflict of interest is defined in a number of different ways, legally, ethically, and so on. And it's really more of a potential issue than it is an actual issue in a lot of cases. However, um, I did, uh, subsequent to that, call uh, many state chairs and talk with them around the country, as well as uh, talking to Ronna McDaniel and uh, co-chair Tommy Hicks of the RNC. And uh, they told me that they couldn't think of a single instance where uh, legislators were, were running that state's party. And uh, I've looked uh, at, subsequent to that for any, any evidence of that, that happening. And what I've been told repeatedly is that not only do uh, the state parties not have that arrangement, but they have rules against it. And it's for how they define uh, conflict of interest. So um, it's, a, it's a topic that we'd have to spend a lot more time on to de delve into. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Senator Hurd. Thank you. So uh, first off, um, there is precedence actually, uh, not only in other states, but in this state, former Senator Randy Miller was uh, the past ORP chair in this state. Um, just as an example of an elected official running the party. But um, with potential conflicts of interest, I'm one of those folks that really believes in making a system what you trust, not the individuals who occupy those positions. And that's why I've been promoting 
um, what I would call the Financial Integrity Committee for the ORP. And it's simply put would be one male and female PCP locally elected by every county chapter across the state to represent the counties at the ORP level and make the financial decisions for the ORP's financial and in-kind resources going forward. Because anytime a man or woman says, just trust me, you really should be suspect and I'll never do that to you. So I believe in the people having the power and that's why I say unconcentrate it, give it back to our delegates, give it back to our county chapters. I think they'll do a better job with it and we can all rest assured going forward, no matter who represents these positions that the money is being spent justly and fairly. Thank you, Senator Hurd. Uh, Chair Courier, would you like 30 seconds to rebut? Yeah, I'd like to know uh, what examples of precedent are out there. Is that a question to me? Yes. I, I just I just explained that uh, former Senator Miller was the past ORP chair for this state. That, yeah, that's Oregon. I was thinking of other states. You said other states, so. All right, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Ari, uh, next question. Okay, yes. Uh, so Republicans in Oregon frequently debate about whether candidates should run with platforms that appear to have a broader appeal to Republicans and Democrats, or whether platforms should lean on conservative convictions. Uh, case in point is the 2022nd Congressional District election. Should the ORP run more Newt Bueller or more Cliff Bentz? And this will be for Herman, Sonny, and Becky. All right. So I'm up at I'm up at bat right now. Yes, sir. All right. Listen, all the districts are different. So, you know, I think Reagan said it best. It's all under one tent. And all these districts are different. So Cliff Bentz in, in that district really fit that district. All right. You can't take a Herman Bearchigger or a Dallas Herd or a Cliff Bentz and put them into a district on the coast where Dick Anderson is. We'll never win there. And we have to recognize that. And and it's you know, it's just that's the makeup of things. That's called politics. All right. And some people said, well, um, I won't mention any names, but this senator isn't near as conservative as you. I don't know why they would vote for him. I said, look, I would rather take a Republican that I agree with 80% of the time than a Democrat that I agree with hardly ever at all. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Commissioner. Uh, next up, Sonny Danforth. Sure. So I'll tell you, first off, like at the CD level, the ORP doesn't run candidates. It actually comes out of the Senate caucus or it comes out of the House caucus. So that's where a lot of candidates come from. Now at the statewide, uh, you know, we did have a, a great success with a conservative candidate and that was Dennis Richardson. So uh, that there is a, an example of a conservative candidate that stayed through, true to their values that was able to win a statewide race and without putting a hammer down. He said, you know, I'm gonna represent everybody. And I think that's really um, the bigger picture there. And I would like to say too that, you know, uh, Herman Bartscheiger is absolutely correct. Every district is, is different. Newt Bueller 
never would have won CD2. It's a very conservative district. And I was really very surprised that he threw his hat into that because uh, I know my district. I live there. And so thank you. All right, uh, Commissioner Bertschiger, would you like 30 seconds to rebut? Here. Okay, there I am. Um, you know, uh, Sonny's right. Uh, the candidates have been coming out of the caucuses. That needs to change. Uh, the ORP needs to be much more involved in recruiting candidates across the state and not just delegating that to the Senate or the, or the House caucuses. That is something we really got to work on. All right, Sonny, uh, would you like 30 seconds? Yes, I would. So actually, you know, I'll tell you, this is how it's been done in Oregon, which is one of the reasons I think that we haven't won a race in a long time, except statewide, like Dennis Richardson. Um, you know, for me, I'm a county chair uh, in, and we look for candidates in our area and in our district, we are looking for candidates. And I don't think we delegate it, frankly, away to the uh, Senate caucus or the House caucus, but that's where the money is and that's where they've been putting the candidates up. All right, uh, last but not least, uh, Becky Mitz, you get uh, one minute and 30 seconds since you do not have uh, your opponent running. Thank you so much. And if you will all indulge me, my bandwidth on my internet is very low right now. So I'm not gonna put my picture up. Um, as Sunny said, the ORP, we don't choose the candidates. What we do is we support the county parties. And in the primary, we support all the candidates who ask for our help. Um, we give candidates access to a GOP data center, which has all of the voting um, people in their districts, their contact information. We uh, have our people, the grassroots people, go out and help them knock on doors, make phone calls, um, talk to their neighbors, hold coffee socials. Um, we support everybody in the primary. We do not pick winners and losers. Um, now, in the general election, we have one Republican running and we're all in. We help them. Um, but the caucus, the um, other um, politicians are the ones that have um, chosen the candidates. Now, we don't know how that's going to change now that Measure 107 has passed in Oregon and campaign finance reform is coming in. I think that the party may have more campaign money coming in. We may have a better chance of choosing candidates. And maybe that's a reason there's so much more interest in becoming um, an officer in the ORP. Um, so I, uh, but I have been involved in the ORP since 2008 and we've never asked people, you know, gone out and looked for the candidates. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, so far we have only gotten one audience question uh, and it's very specific. Uh, somebody wanted to know uh, how everybody feels about uh, House Bill 3177. Um, like I said, it's uh, very specific. Um, 
So if you head to uh, the Oregon legislative website, it says the bill title is relating to emergency restrictions on businesses declaring an emergency, limits the types of restrictions the governor may impose on certain businesses during state of emergency related to COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, sunsets January 2nd, 2023, declares emergency effective on passage. Um, so that was the question that was asked is how do uh, you all feel about HB 3177? Um, we don't have to make it specific to this bill. If you listen to that bill title and say, uh, here are my thoughts just kind of on the general way COVID-19 is being handled. Um, you can go ahead and speak to that if you want. Uh, the order for this one was going to be Senator Heard, followed by Chair Courier, uh, Senator Linthicum, and David Darnell. Uh, Dallas? Would you mind repeating that? that? I'm not familiar with the bill. We've got 3,600 bills to go through, so forgive me for not having that one memorized. Can you re review that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so this was sponsored by David Brocksmith. Uh, the catch line summary uh, from uh, El Pro is uh, limits types of restrictions that the governor may impose on certain businesses during state of emergency related to COVID-19 pandemic. Declares emergency effective on passage. Well, um, on the summary and whatnot, and I'm some, now, now that it's jogging my memory, the number that it's Brocksmith's bill, Representative Brocksmith's bill. I mean, it's obviously a good concept. Anytime you can further limit Governor Brown or any governor for that matter, whether in this state or other state, um, from having taking the kind of liberties to strip us of our rights that we have seen over the last year, we should do it. Um, this kind of dictator, dictator type authority that is being exercised that we all know, whether we have a law education or not, is unconstitutional is absolutely undermining the foundation of freedom and liberty and our, all of our prosperity throughout the society. We are seeing um, discriminatory acts of our government against certain citizens, whether they own restaurants, gyms, whether you go to church and whatnot, where they are focusing on us, on us in little bits and pieces, trying to turn us against each other. And we've seen this in other countries that have gone socialist and worse over the years in this world's history. And it's something we all should be fighting back against. So on the summary, not knowing the full details of it, but from what I'm hearing there, obviously is something that any Republican should support. All righty, thank you. Uh, Chair Courier. I completely agree with Senator Hurd on that. Uh, the governor's actions have been unconstitutional and unlawful. Uh, she's gone beyond her authority. Uh, the Supreme Court has upheld that unconstitutional behavior, but that doesn't make it correct. The highest law of our land, the constitution, makes it very clear that you cannot have lower laws that violate higher laws. Uh, she has uh, become an edict, uh, an edict issuer, a tyrant, a uh, whatever you want to, however you want to think of, of it, but it's all about losing freedom, just as Senator Hurd said. And uh, I think it's been a test to see how far they can push us, quite honestly. Um, however, I, the, and, I'm all, and I'm supportive of the bill and the concept of the bill, the only thing is, is that with a legislature that is currently, we, we need to make it a constitutional amendment and uh, and go beyond just a bill. That would be mine. All righty. Uh, Senator Hurd, did you have anything to add? No need. All righty. Chair Courier, you want 30 more seconds? <laughs> no, I think we're on the same page completely on this. So. Wonderful. All right, Senator Linthicum. Very good. Thank you. Um, I've had a long-standing lawsuit. It's been in, uh, in, in the process of being opinionated or determined. It got determined two days ago and we lost the lawsuit. But my lawsuit was a claim that Governor Brown is acting unconstitutionally. 
But you have to think of it better. This is where Republicans should really shine. In spite of the cunning and artful politics of a leader like uh, Governor Brown, there's three gifts that precede all legislation. Think about it, the idea of life and liberty and your own just pursuits, the use of your property to create your business. These things didn't come into existence because we made laws. These things exist because they are part of God's gift to us. All right, thank you, Uh, David. Yeah, it's so hard to know, stop, go, duck, dodge. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Once once again, for all participants, the sound of the bell ringing is uh, 10 seconds left. Um, And I'm sorry, I believe I accidentally cut you off, Senator Linthicum. It seemed like you had finished your thought. All right, uh, David. Okay, I'm going to go. you know, I haven't read uh, David's bill, uh, but I know David and I know he's, uh, you know, the bill is intended in the right direction. But here's the thing. Uh, I have read through, well, I've had occasion to uh, read through the ORSs, uh, the Oregon Revised Statutes, and uh, I've read through 401, which is what the governor uh, deals with, uh, you know, uh, catastrophic emergencies, uh, 433, which deals uh, specifically with uh uh, public health emergencies. And while I'm reading through and I'm searching for these emergency powers uh, that, you know, we've written into law over decades, uh, I come across 179 as well, which deals with, uh, of all things, and you can imagine how this will be interpreted at some point in time, uh, deals with energy emergencies. And uh, the, the net result of all these laws, which have gone against what Bill uh, has identified as the higher laws, uh, is that there is a there is a number of ways for the governor to get unlimited power over our very uh, economic uh, livelihood, and it needs to be changed. All right, thank you, David. Uh, Senator Lincecum, would you like thirty seconds to rebut? You, you bet. This isn't a rebuttal. This is an agreement. Uh, the point is, if if the legislature gives gov- the governor unconstitutional uh, domain then she'll be more than happy to uh, play outside the rules. A basketball court has got lines on it. We know where out of bounds and inbounds is. The governor right now is dribbling out of bounds. She's up in the bleachers and the legislative body. And because there's a Democrat supermajority, we're losing the challenge to say, hey, wait, you're up in the bleachers. That's out of bounds. Get back in bounds. We're taking the ball from you and giving it to the other team. We don't All have right. that freedom because we don't have a majority. In- That's why I'm running for this office. The public. All right. Thank you, uh, David. Yeah, I'll just add uh, everything that Dennis said. Uh, you know, we need we need to we need to do a lot of de-legislating is what we need to do. Uh, we have a num- we, ha- we must have hundreds of laws that are in conflict uh, with both the Constitution of Oregon and the Constitution of the United States. Uh, and, and we need to dig into that. We need to fix that. All right. Thank you. Uh, next up, uh, Becky. Sorry, not uh, the next question is going to be asked by Ari. My bad. All right. 
uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has appended politics and public policy in Oregon in unprecedented ways, shutting down business and making daily life difficult for Oregonians. How should the Oregonian Republican Party and Republican officials respond to national emergencies with such devastating effects and wide-ranging impacts? And this will be for Becky, Herman, and Sunny. Okay, that's a really difficult um, question to answer when we're in the minority as we are right now in our state. I think uh, the way to deal with uh, national emergencies is locally. We need to do what's best for ourselves locally. I think um, just getting our message out um, and um, holding our leadership accountable is um, the best thing we can do. Um, the other thing that the state party has done and can do is give opportunities for um, Oregonians who are really frustrated to be um, come be a part like we did with the recall. Um, people were frustrated with the pandemic, we didn't let the pandemic stop us. We did the recall. We brought in people who were not Republicans, who are NAVs, Democrats, all across the board, helped us get together. We almost got it on the um, ballot, which is an amazing thing during the pandemic, because it's really hard to do when the state is open and you have fairs and gun shows and sports shows. So giving people an opportunity to get involved and be with like-minded people is another great thing we can do. All righty, thank you very much, Becky. Uh, next up, um, sorry. Uh, next up is uh, Commissioner Baertrigger. Uh, thank you. So this whole pandemic has been politicized. It's that simple. When you look at the numbers, I was just looking at the numbers with our um, director of health here in Josephine County. Um, the numbers in Oregon, this is not a pandemic. It's not an epidemic. And no, I am not trying to ignore the issue. Yes, it is a virus that can very be very dangerous to certain people of the community. But when you look at the numbers, people 70 years old or younger have a 99% survival rate. That's pretty good. When you look at the death numbers and who is who is really being affected by this, it's a majority, unfortunately, people later on in life. And that is, but right now, COVID doesn't even make the top five, um, top five diseases killing Oregonians. Doesn't even come close. So do we ignore it? No, we don't ignore it. But there's another side of the ledger. Right. Uh, thank it's you very all, much, Commissioner. All the damage that is happening because of it. Uh, Sunny, you're next. Okay, well, I can agree with uh, all three of, uh, or two, both of these statements. Oh yeah, Chuck's not here. I was thinking Chuck was, but he didn't make it. Um, I wanted to, to tell you, you know, I'll tell you, it's, 
this is a two-part question. It mentions Oregon and the policies and what's happened in Oregon economically, which has just been atrocious. The, the unconstitutional overreaches of our governor has just been atrocious. And I realize being in the super minority that uh, our Republican uh, electeds cannot push back, but they should be extremely local and the Oregon Republican party as well. And frankly, at the national level, even more so. I so applaud South Dakota um, pre uh, governor there. Uh, oh, dang, her name just went, phew. So you guys know who I'm talking about. And she is just so spot on how she's run her, her state. But I will tell you the Oregon Republican party has been pushing back we do our captive audience uh, every four days a week that's on our Facebook page and Rumble page and that, and we talk about it. And we have pushed right. about uh, what's going on. Thank you. Thank you, Sonny. Commissioner Barrett Sugar, 30 seconds to rebut if you want it. All right, I'll say that again. <laughs> I said this, you know, I think we're all on the same page and the whole issue of COVID has been so politicized uh, to give the Democrats power. That is what has happened. Don't ever let a crisis go to waste. All right, thank you. Uh, Sonny, would you like 30 more seconds? I agree, don't ever let a crisis go to waste. And that's why we've been pushing out and pushing against what the governor and speaking out against it, absolutely. You know, as a party, we've been. Awesome. All right, uh, next up, Jordan. All right, so question six, the order will be Dennis, David, Dallas, and Bill. And left-wing organizations put a lot of effort into registering high school students early on campuses, resulting in a lot of students pre-registered as Democrats when they enter the workforce. What can the Republican Party and other conservative groups do to address the Democrat Party increasing voter registration advantage? And if you'd like to include more broadly how to involve the youth and get young Republicans registered as voters and involved in the party, feel free to add that as well. So first we have Dennis. Yeah, I, I guess I'm up first. Um, this, this is an important, uh, this is an important part of what the Republican Party should be doing. You guys are all familiar uh, with uh, a picture from the Red Square in Moscow where you've got a platoon or a brigade and they're marching along and there's another brigade behind them and another brigade behind them. And what this represents in this word picture of mine uh, is the imagery of one generation marching and leading the next generation and leading the next generation. We need a strategy for getting to collegiates. We need a strategy for getting to young Americans, young Americans for freedom, young Americans for liberty. I have long been associated with young Americans for liberty. I speak at their uh, conventions. I've been part of their YALCON uh, events around the nation. And we have to reach out to young Republicans in high school and college. Thank you, Senator. David, one minute. 
Uh, well, I broke my own. I uh, broke my own rule on that last uh, statement I made. I said we we should fix these things. We need to fix these things. I didn't offer a solution. The solution is more Republican voters. Uh, that's how we fix things in the legislature. And uh, voter registration is how we fix more Republicans, restoring balance uh, to Salem. And uh, and you're right. The left wing organizations uh, are all over it like ants uh, on on honey. And uh, and what we need to do, what my proposed solution is, uh, is we finally do what we've always been talking about. Uh, and we we hire a company to come in, work with all of our counties uh, and do voter registration at every single level uh, in Oregon. And I think we can do that. I think we'll have the funding to do that. And I think it makes sense. Uh, and it'll completely and totally change 2022 and 2024. Thank you. Uh, Senator Lenticum, would you like 30 seconds to rebut? Well, yeah, the, the, there, there's no rebuttal. The, the point is, how do you achieve um, penetrating into the leftist domain of higher education and education in general? Part of it is getting moms and dads and teachers to be involved in conservative ideas, in logical ideas, in ideas that make sense instead of these harebrained ideas that are basically part of the Marxist propaganda. The, um, the latest issue to come up is math is oppressive, especially when teachers become teachers and students have to stay students. At some point, this is just faulty logic, it's faulty reasoning, and we need to be able to build a response to that from the Republican Party. All right, uh, David. The way we make that penetration uh, both at both ends of the spectrum, uh, either to the youngest members uh, of our society and to the oldest, is messaging. The Democrat message, the leftist message sucks, okay? It's a horrible message. Uh, our message is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's freedom. Uh, and if we can't sell freedom, I'm not sure where we go from there. All righty, thank you. Uh, Senator Hurd. So it's a great question. Um, and it's great that we're having this conversation with this particular group, uh, the Young Republicans of Oregon, because the ORP needs to become so prolific in its fundraising that it can start affording the ability to invest in the college and young Republicans in the form of performance-based block grants for voter registration drives. We need to be able to invest in the best technology, the best resources possible, because we already have the workforce in our young Republicans and college Republicans. Um, we need to use those grassroots efforts we talked about tonight and harness that passion and that skill set <clears throat> with the people that are actually going to school with these young folks. Uh, another thing that I'm really passionate about in our junior high and high school mm -hmm. level as far as reaching out to young people and, and getting them to understand that we are the party of solutions and the party of their future success is partnering with the building trades um, to help our young people see that there's real skills, that the Republican Party is partnering with those folks that provide those job career opportunities. Uh, at job career fairs at junior highs, high schools and colleges, but especially we need to start funding our best and brightest that are already with us in the Republican Party to help us with this endeavor. All right, thank you much, uh, Senator Hurd. Uh, Chair Courier. Thank you. Uh, I would echo what David said. Uh, we need to uh, close the registration gap. We're well prepared to do that. Over the last two years, we've gathered up over 100,000 non-aligned Democrat and um, uh, other party, uh, uh, even uh, uh, non-aligned independent and, and Democrat uh, voters who 
are likely to move over our direction. Um, people may not be aware that over the last two years, we've actually uh, registered 60,000 Republican voters in Oregon through our activities. Uh, the gap uh, for loss in Oregon on a, on a statewide ballot issue or um, race is generally between 100 and 150,000 votes. So we're already starting to close that gap. We need to continue doing so. We've been raising record amounts of money four times in 2020, what we did in 2019. 2019 was double what it was in 2018 and so on. So um, we are positioned to do exactly what has been described already. Thank you. Uh, Senator Hurd, would you like 30 seconds to rebut? Sure, not really a rebuttal, but just a continuation. Um, we need to start investing in some leadership that has proven that has some youth still on its side, um, just to balance the Republican Party and the perspectives from the young people. Um, sadly, the Democratic Party has invested in a lot of young people, but it's the folks like Ocasio-Cortez, and it's not the sad part that they invest in young people, it's the kind of people that it is. It's Ocasio-Cortez, it's Shamia Fagan. Those are folks that don't appreciate our freedoms and liberties, but they do inspire the next generation to get involved with the Democratic Party. And we need to start flipping that back towards our way a little bit and uh, start showing that the young people have a, a future in the Republican Party. All righty, uh, Chair Currier. Yeah, I would, I would agree that uh, we need to uh, reach out and connect with younger folks. I think one of the key ways to do that is uh, happening right now with this uh, program tonight is that we're getting involved. We're interfacing with each other right now. We're understanding each other better about what, what messaging we can do. And I think we need to have young Republicans at the table, helping us set messaging to draw in other uh, younger people as well. All right, thank you very much, Chair Courier. Uh, next up, uh, Lauren. Yes, we have lots of audience questions. So um, let's see, this question is for each candidate. How many hours weekly can you dedicate to your ORP leadership responsibilities if you get elected? Um, we'll start with, well, uh, Senator Hurd. So um, currently I'm putting in about 70 hours a week mixed between legislative work because it's a legislative session, but a lot of it is going towards this run for ORP chair service. Um, when I'm not in session, which is the vast majority of a 24-month, two-year cycle, um, for those that don't know, the legislature meets about seven months out of 24 months between the two years in a cycle. So the rest of the time, um, I've been just campaigning for helping us win Senate and House races. I'm always on the road fundraising. I'm trying to help grassroots efforts form together. One effort was uh, Oregonians United for Freedom. We helped uh, flip Senate District 5 by getting well over 100 different volunteers to mobilize from Douglas County and come over to Coos County and help in that effort of door knocking and letter writing and phone banking and whatnot. Um, but when it comes to non-session time, that 25 to 35 hours a week will probably go up to about 50 to 55 hours a week that I would focus on the party because I can't frankly represent the people of Southwest Oregon in a super minority right, right now, even though I spent less than $3,000 on my reelection this last time around. Um, <clears throat> we still want about 70. Right. Thank you very much, uh, Senator Hurd. Uh, next up, Chair Courier. Yeah, uh, Senator Hurd is absolutely correct. It's, it's a matter of time uh, available to commit to working in the party. Um, as chair, I can tell you that it, it's a full-time position. Um, it may not be a paid position, but it is a full-time position and it takes full-time effort. Um, I don't have young children at home. I don't have a business. I'm not a legislator. I'm focused on being the chair of the party and that takes uh, a lot of time, a lot of attention. And I'm not drawn in multiple directions. 
uh, it's taken that time of commitment over the, uh, the last few years to get to where we are, where we're raising the kind of money we are and where we're having the kind of engagement and activism that we are uh, preparing that army to win, start winning elections in Oregon. It's not a single cycle thing. It takes several cycles to turn the party around for 40 years. We've been losing in Oregon, and we've been able to turn much of that around in the last six year, years. So uh, we just want to keep going. All righty, uh, Sunny. Microphone. Okay, I saw that little microphone thing there. Um, I'm retired, so I can devote what the what the job takes. And I can tell you right now, you know, even as a county chair. Uh, which I intend to uh, step down from that position. And I am uh, the actually the president of our Republican women in Milton Freewater, and I'm stepping down from that position. But uh, I'm willing to devote the time that is needed, whatever it is, because, you know, as a chair for the county, I, I probably work 30 hours a week. I work a lot developing because I, I do have a team. So I understand there's a lot of work to do at the ORP since I've become the uh, finance chair. I have been able to see the involvement that really even more is needed and I'm here to help whatever's needed. All right, uh, Commissioner Barrett Sugar. Uh, thank you. Well, anybody that thinks you're gonna punch a time clock is, uh, well, they're in. They're they're very misguided. You do what you have to do when you have to do it. Some days you're going to be really busy. Other days you're going to have a reprieve. That's no different than when I was a minority leader in the Senate. It's no different than me being a county commissioner. Today was a pretty full day. Yesterday not so bad, and tomorrow's pretty light. So you're going to have to be flexible, and uh, uh, you're going to have to meet the expectations. So like I said, it's not about, I'm gonna put in 40 hours or 20 hours. You're gonna put in what it takes to get the job done at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Becky. Can I answer that actually? Can I have 30 seconds? Uh, sorry, so this is just one minute each uh, for everybody answering this question. Okay. Change the rules for the question. Yeah, so this was an audience question and uh, we just kind of decided, hey, let's let everybody have one minute to answer this question. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, David got one, sorry, uh, Bill got one minute, Dallas got one minute, uh, so forth. Okay. All right, uh, Becky. Okay, so Becky, wonderful. Um, I have spent the last uh, two and a half years as the ORP secretary and there was quite a, a steep learning curve um, because I am the record keeper for the party. Um, and there's times where it's a lot busier and then there's other times that it's not. And when it's not, you catch up. Um, there are three meetings a year that last at least six hours that minutes need to be done for. There's organizational meetings where I have to update um, the elected people um, for the county parties. It's uh, pretty busy. I am committed to doing this and um, continue doing this um, as I have been for the last two and a half years. All right, thank you. Uh, David. 
Uh, well, fortunately, I'm self-employed, uh, and so I make my own uh, hours. I have a, a very profitable business that allows me to have enough management, you know, to keep my participation in the business down to just a few hours a day. Right now, uh, uh, I do a, a lot of the messaging, uh, a lot of the uh, digital management for the Oregon Republican Party. And I can put in uh, easily uh, two hours every single morning if I want to keep, uh, you know, our name in front of everybody. Uh, and that can be as much as four or five hours a day, you know, if we get a big media hit. But, uh, you know, uh, like Herman said, uh, you put as much time into it. You drive as far as you have to drive. You have to fly to where you're ever going to fly and do what you're going to do uh, to get the job done. And I, d I don't intend to be a treasurer who does uh, uh, nothing more than just deliver a treasurer's report. Um, so I'm committed. Alrighty, uh, so Senator Linthicum will be the last person. Uh, this was a question that uh, we wanted to have all seven candidates answer because it kind of came up and uh, it seemed a little pertinent for everybody to answer. So Senator Linthicum will be the last one. Uh, next question, there will be opportunities for rebuttal again. So Senator Linthicum, take it away. Very good. Uh, basically, I, I uh, live and breathe Republican ideals. We have truth on our side. We've got data on our side. We've got the spirit on our side. We we can win. I give away from my office. If any of you guys visit my office, I can hand you a, your own copy of The Law by Frederick Bastiat. I'll put the, um, the website link in the chat box. Uh, Henry Hazlitt's uh, Economics in One Easy Lesson. We are the party of common sense and real data. We're not on this flight from reality into territory that's never, ever been seen or touched before. My uh, bachelor's degree in is, is in economics from UCLA. I have a master's degree from Biola University and um, I deal in these concepts all day long, every day, it's part of who I am. And so putting a few um, nickels in this slot and a few dimes in that slot or raising hundreds of thousands of dollars here and there for the Republican cause will come very naturally to me and my skill set. Okay, our next question is, will um, only Sunny, Herman, and Becky will answer. So it's state Supreme Court judges have been running unopposed. What will you do to recruit judge candidates? Sunny, you can go first. Go. Okay, you know, we ought to have a committee that is looking at that, frankly, and looking at the judges because uh, maybe not all judges are bad and looking around and recruiting. But at the same time, you know what? That's a county chair. Uh, I believe that's more of a county chair level because we have judges all over our state. And, um, you know, but a committee that was dedicated to looking into judges be my short answer. Okay. Right. Um, Thank you. Recruitment of judges in Oregon is extremely difficult, both for Democrats and Republicans. The reason for that is you can make a much better living in the private sector than you can being a judge. It's really that simple. It is tough. I've had to recruit judges down here in Southern Oregon, and it is tough to get them to leave the private sector and come in into the chamber. 
The reason for that is, is this is one of the only elected officials that you have to have some credentials. You got to be an attorney. Most other elected, uh, everything, you don't have to have credentials. So it is very difficult. It is something that takes a lot of effort. But let me tell you, the Democrats are experiencing the challenges as much as the Republicans. And that's all, right. all I can Thank say about everybody. that. Honey, one minute. Who? Sunny. Sorry, uh, you got 30 seconds to rebut if you desire. Oh, no, I, I completely agree, actually, with what Herman said. You know, I've uh, I've talked with some and and he's ex with attorneys and he's exactly right. So uh, I can even think of a few flunkies that I, I would call. You know what? They've got law degrees. I shouldn't call them that. But uh, I don't you know, I kind of like the ones that graduate top in their class and not the bottom of their class that have decided to run and be a judge. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, Commissioner Brett Sugar, would you like 30 more seconds? No, it's just most people don't realize. And I think it's the fact, the limiting factor is that you have to have certain credentials to run for that office. Think of any other office. You know, you can be a trash collector and run for governor. So, but to run for a judge, you gotta have a law degree. And that is the, that is the holdup. But I encourage everybody to keep trying to do that. I got a friend of mine to run for judge finally here in Josephine County. He's made a, he's being a great judge, but it took a lot to him to leave his private law practice and become a judge. It's more hours. It's not flexible hours. It's, you know, a regular attorney gets to come and go as they wish. When you're a judge, you got certain hours, you got to be there. And the pay isn't, I mean, it's okay, but you're going to do a lot better in the private sector. All righty. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Becky. Well, I don't think I can add much more than um, Commissioner Bart Sugar and Sunny have said. It is um, hard. From what I understand, there's a lot of attorneys who don't want to run against incumbent judges in case they would have to go before that judge in a court case mm -hmm. after they've lost to them. You know, it's right. and it is the um, the Correct. incumbency has a lot of power um, when it comes to those sort of positions. Also, um, so I think. Um, focusing on um, all of the positions. Governor, if we can get some of our statewide positions back to the Republicans, um, we can make some changes in some of the other judges um, that are appointed. We can um, really change the state a lot. And in the meantime, speaking to people who want to um, run, um, who would be willing to run for those positions. Alrighty, thank you, Becky. So uh, candidates, we actually, I think we're doing better on time than I expected we would be. So I uh, wanna propose, uh, we wanna ask another question uh, from the audience now. Uh, Geech, uh, give everybody uh, one minute and 30 seconds if they would like to respond to that. Um, I believe Lauren is uh, wordsmithing that right now. Uh, we're also going to go in reverse alphabetical order uh, for this one because that was the most random thing I could think of. Uh, and the first one in reverse alphabetical order by last name was Becky Mitz. Uh, so Lauren, have you, Got the question down that you wanted? Yeah, um, this one's mainly for the ORP leaders currently, but um, we can go in that order anyway. Okay, so 
Um, what is their perspective on the Cape Brown recall effort and why it didn't pass aside from potential skewing of information for the other side? Additionally, where is the data from that recall? All right, uh, Becky, you're what? first. Um, I worked very hard in the recall. I was in the recall office um, every day for the last six weeks of the recall. Um, it uh, came so much closer. To get a recall on the ballot, you have to get 3,000 registered Oregon voters per day for 90 days. Um, that's the number of signatures you have to get to get it on the ballot. And, um, you know, you have to get more than that in case some get thrown out. It's a, it's a big, it's a hard thing. And it's a hard thing for a reason because we don't want it to be easy. We want it to be hard. And we came very, very, very close during a COVID um, shutdown. Um, so I feel really good about it. The other thing I feel good about is dur during the um, recall and shortly afterwards in Marion County, where I am a PCP, we had so many people come and become um, PCPs, be appointed as a PCP. They wanted to get more involved. They were happy that we were doing something they, that could give them a reason to get more involved and to help out. I think it was a wonderful thing. As far as the data, um, most of the time you don't ever see that data. I think we have a team of people working right, on that uh, data. And Thank when you, you're Secretary working Woods. with um, volunteers, it you know you're at their. Uh, Senator Winthicum. Uh, I, I, I think it's an appropriate question for the existing um, committee members or, or ORP members to answer. I don't know where the data is. I'm disappointed that we never got over the hump. And um, I'm interested in the answer just like the uh, individual and the others of you are. So I'll, I'll let this go on to the next person in line. Alrighty, uh, Senator Hurd. Well, I, you know, I just want to say thank you to the volunteers across the state that put so much effort into that. Um, it was difficult, obviously, because of the state shutdowns. Um, nothing was easy in 2020. Um, we, we do, as a party in general, um, need to do a better job. Uh, this is not a statement towards anybody in particular. We, as a party, as an organization, as a movement, need to do a better job of harvesting our data uh, collecting it, saving it, and utilizing it. Um, we could have really used data similar to that in the general election and our swing seats for House seats and Senate seats. And going forward, we can use it again because those same individuals that signed um, those petitions against the governor, I think I heard roughly 10% of them were registered Democrats. That's, that's critical information. It's almost like currency in the political world to have that kind of information. So just going forward, it's something that we really need to to bone up on and uh, frankly get help from the millennial generation um, on really doing the best we can on uh, maximizing our potential that information at our fingertips. But um, again, just a big shout out to the folks that put so much time and effort into that for no pay at all. All right, thank you, Senator Hurd. Uh, Chair Darnell. Uh, 
Uh, well, the answer to the big question that's been answered here is that data is under a tag called 2019 uh, recall in GOP data center. Uh, the 2019 recall yielded, uh, we were able to process, I think, a little over 100,000 uh, of those uh, of those signatures uh, due to software limitations, I guess, uh, from outside vendors. Uh, but there's 30,000 people in there that signed the uh, recall that are not Republicans. Uh, and every county and every Republican uh, campaign has access to GOP data center. Uh, through the Oregon Republican Party. So you can find those there. As soon as we are done, uh, there'll be another 100,000, and, and done with the verification process, there'll be another 100,000 uh, names in there of uh, people who signed uh, the recall petition who are not Republicans. Did I have more than one minute? I think so. Maybe it was oh, I, I was on the one minute timer. <laughs> how, how long do I have, Alex? <laughs> I, think, I think we might have lost Alex and that's why there was no cutoff. Um, so I think <laughs> Sorry, we will move. Okay, you have 30 seconds on it, David. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, the reason we didn't make it there is because we didn't get enough signatures. Uh, and it's it's the biggest lift that you can do uh, in Oregon politics. And in 2020, we fell less than uh, one percent short. Uh, and it was heartbreaking for everybody. The good news is, is we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers uh, that have come into the party uh, because of that. Uh, all age groups. I mean, uh, it's it was a resounding success uh, in that particular uh, metric. Thank you. All right, uh, Sonny, and for the record, every candidate has thirty uh, one minute and 30 seconds to answer. So Sonny, take it away. Lauren, can I ask you to reread that question, please? I mean, I know it's about the petition, but there was a language in there that I wanted to address. Thank you. Yeah, um, okay. What is their perspective on the Kate Brown recall effort and why it didn't pass, aside from potential skewing of information for the other side? Additionally, where is the data from that recall? Okay, thank you. So I don't know about skewing data for the other side. I, I don't I don't even I can't even go there because I don't have any idea what that means. But I can tell you in Umatilla County, we worked like heck for this petition. We gathered twice as many uh, signatures than are allotted for the county because it was all calculated out. And we, we actually, our team that we had was getting signatures in three counties, actually actively involved because we have uh, some neighboring counties that don't uh, do much. But a bigger question is, I would like to know, uh, is what did the senators and the county commissioner do to help with the recall effort? Um, I would like to know that very, very much because I know I've spent a lot of hours, a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I totally agree with David. It was while we were devastated that it didn't go through um, the second time, the first time as well, because I worked both uh, very actively. 
devastated that that didn't happen, did, didn't meet the goal. But I will tell you, it brought so many people into Umatilla County. We registered more voters. We talked to the Democrats and the independents, the kids. And, uh, you know, I, I can think of the, the young kids registering to vote for the very first time. And uh, so we got so much more uh, political activity in our county and in our community. And we built teams that worked all over our county simultaneously. And the momentum from that has been put into the Umatilla County Republican Party. So if all the counties did it, which I don't know that they did, and that's a really a shame, you know, that's on the county chair, quite frankly, it's not on the ORP because the ORP cannot force a county to do something. And so that's Alrighty. really on county chairs. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Chair Courier. Real quick, we have a clarification um, for the oh. uh, potential skewing of information. The uh, viewer meant potential throwing out of active signatures. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I didn't oh. like going, what does that mean? Okay, throwing out of active signatures. I'll, I'll just let Chair Courier answer this. Yeah. Uh, well, my perspective on the, the recall effort is that uh, if I had a chance to do another one and it was appropriate timing to do another one, I would do one in a heartbeat because of the results. Um, and, and I know that it, it was very heartbreaking for me as well, personally, uh, because we came within eight points or seven points on in 2019 and we came within one point and 2020. Um, however, the objective of the recall was never just about recalling the governor. It was also about building an army that could work together on the general election, which they did, and they helped our candidates. It was about uh, raising money. Uh, counties across the state raised unheard of amount of amounts of money based on the recall. Uh, they, it was driving people to the local party. They were donating. They were buying things. Uh, some counties did tens of thousands. I think the one county did $70,000 of income from based on the recall and all of the energy that that uh, generated. So there were many, many benefits to the party, but probably one of the most important was that we got so many more people involved. I've heard people say, well, it distracted from the races. That's only true if you think the political pie of activity in Oregon is only so big. But what happened was most of the people that got involved in the recall had not been active or involved in the party before. So all those new people added to the effort and the possibilities we didn't divide up a pie, we grew the pie. So it is, um, it is something that is, ha is, is a project that was extremely successful in my opinion. And um, recalling the governor was just one aspect of that. I, I, I talk to volunteers every day that are excited about what happened and want to do more. Commissioner, uh, thank you, Chair Courier. Uh, next up, Commissioner Barrett Sugar. Yeah, recalls are, have, you know, pros and cons, just like everything else in life. And, and I, I was uh, totally amazed at the energy uh, that that generated with the base. And, and we did collect a lot of more uh, signatures. And uh, even I thought um, we also got more people to kind of slide over to uh, our perspective of things. Um, the downside is, is if you don't accomplish the, re the recall, you kind of let a little bit of the air out of the balloon with some people. But, um, you know, those are all judgment calls that are done at a, a specific time and place. And, you know, you're making, you're doing the best you can with that. I was, uh, 
I think one of the short conversations I did have with, with Bill uh, over that is on the second time I says, for God's sake, make sure you accomplish it. Well, he come down to one point. He did better in the first one, but uh, accomplishing it would have been uh, the frosting on the cake. It really would have been. Um, David, you talked about uh, getting people signed up uh, as Republicans and everything. That's very important. But you know what's more important? Get them to vote. When we look at the at, at who's voting, if Republicans voted in this state, wouldn't be in this position that we're in right now. We got to get them out to vote. All right. Thank you very much, Commissioner. All right, uh, candidates. Um, I think we're still doing okay on time. Um, we've had some more questions from the audience come in. Is everybody interested in answering one more question or would you like to move to closing statements? One more. And maybe one more. Right on. I've got another, another appointment coming up. Let's do 10 right. more. I got your time. <laughs> <laughs> I like your enthusiasm. Okay, our last question is how will or did you guys choose your candidates for this last election? One audience member is concerned about how good candidates like Alex Scarlatos was omitted from the expensive mailer they did in Lane County this last election. Did you repeat the last part about that about Alex? I didn't catch it. Yeah, one audience member is concerned about how good candidates like Alec Scarlatos was omitted from the expensive mailer that the ORP leaders did in Lane County this last election. All right, uh, candidates are good. I guess we'll go in regular alphabetical order this time. Uh, that would be starting with Commissioner Herman Britt-Sugar. You know, I was very saddened at Alex. I thought he was going to pull it off this time. And I worked with him, I campaigned for him. I was with him at many events. I counseled him and I put my checkbook where my mouth is too. Um, and so I was really disappointed um, when he didn't um, make it. He's a great candidate. He would have been a great Congressman. Um, and I, I wish, you know, I, I can't really, dive into what the ORP did or didn't do because I, I frankly don't know. I really don't know. A lot of that didn't come into our conversations, but uh, you know, I hope he doesn't go away. He's another young Republican that I think could have a very bright future in this state and would really represent us well. And uh, I hope he doesn't give up. I don't think he will. And uh, I hope in the future we can support him in uh, some effort, uh, whatever that may be. All right, uh, thank you. Uh, Chair Courier. Yeah, Alex uh, did all of his mailers through the Oregon Republican Party. We were able to save Alex uh, 7,800, uh, no, excuse me, uh, $78,000 on his mailers, which basically meant that he was able to mail to 40% uh, more people than he would have without going through the ORP. I can't uh, answer the question about what happened in Lane County. That was done at a local level. But in terms of the state party, um, he he uh, he did all his mailers through us, and we were able to save him uh, a lot of money, which allowed him to do a lot more mailers than he would have without going through us. And we worked hand in hand with that. We had somebody dedicated to processing those mailers so that they would go out. Uh, it was very very significant uh, in his outreach and uh, in uh, CD4. 
And so um, hopefully that answers the question. I don't have anything to add beyond that. All right, uh, Sunny. So I don't know uh, what anything of what the or with the ORP and uh, Alex Scarlatos and he doesn't represent my district, but I can tell you my checkbook went to him uh, because we donated and I've we've donated to Dennis Linthicum as well when he was just getting started. So he and I, we've got a relationship together. Uh, and so and, and that's where I believe it is so important. Uh, to help our candidates get behind them. And since I have a little time, you know, during the, the recall towards the end and the campaign season was heating up at our county level, we were handing out all of the, all the candidates literature, giving our county voter recommendation uh, to how to vote. So we were educating the voters at the very same time as we were gathering signatures, registering people, we were hitting the voters to doing the get out the vote and also signing them up to be involved at the county level. And that's what a, a, the chairs need to do. And that's, you know, so there's, there's different levels within the Oregon Republican party, the, the, the party, the state's responsibility, and then of course the counties. And, um, you know, I see an improvement room for uh, teaching and uh, best practices that can be shared. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, next up, uh, Chair Darnell. Well, I'll uh, I'll echo the sent sentiments of everybody else, special Herm Herman here. He was a great candidate, uh, and I hope he'll be a great candidate again. And uh, like Sonny and like Herman, I put my money where my mouth is. I donated to his campaign. Uh, we promoted him heavily on on uh, on Oregon Oregon Republican Party uh, channels. We had him on our daily show. Uh, we talked to him. I followed him with his campaign. Uh, we, uh, you know, by saving him $78,000, we essentially made a $78,000 donation to him. Uh, you know, that's how much we believed in and that he was going to actually win. And uh, I'll tell you what, the polling uh, right up to the very end said that he had it. And I have a great, the bulk of my business interests are in his district in Josephine County. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I had, I, had, I had a vested interest in making sure Alex won and I was, uh, I was shocked and I was surprised uh, that he didn't uh, he didn't make it as far as uh, whatever the uh, question asker is asking about some expensive mailer in Lane County. I'm not sure what that's about. Um, there's a lot of misinformation around. Uh, you know, somebody says that somebody did something. You know, it's hard to keep track of it all. But uh, we did everything we could to push him over the line. All right. Uh, thank you, Chair Darnell. Uh, next up, Senator Hurd. So um, for those of you that don't know, Alec uh, is from my hometown here in Roseburg. And so Alec and I have been uh, friends for a few years here now. I actually met him for the first time when I didn't actually know who he was. I had heard of him, but I didn't put it together who was sitting next to me on this connection flight going out to Cincinnati where my wife's family lives. And my wife leans over to me and she says, that's Alex Scarlato sitting next to you. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> you know? And so anyway, it was kind of a funny moment and I got to talk with Alec and introduce myself. It was back when I was still in the house. And in that conversation, I was just really impressed with how mature he was and how level headed he was considering all the stuff that had happened to him and um, asked him to consider running for elected office. And so originally he ran for Douglas County commissioner and uh, against all odds, frankly, just about pulled it off. We had about a third the money of the, the older, more established business candidate and, and lost by just the slimmest of margins. And so um, Alec is 
going to stick around. He is going to probably run for that position again. Redistricting is going to matter a lot with what's going on going forward. Right now, he's working for the Freedom Foundation and doing a great job for them. But we need more young men and women like Alex Scarlatos to really move the party forward, along with our more seasoned veterans of life with their wisdom in the party. And that's the kind of combination and balance in this party we really need going forward. Thank you, Senator Hurd. Next up, Senator Linthicum. Thank you. Um, I, I think the question isn't so much about Alex Scarlatos. It's, it's really about how the ORP uses the resources at its fingertips and disperses that information, that money, that expertise to people so that, they, um, so that we can advance Republican candidates. Um, in the same way that uh, Courier described, we saved Alex $7,800, um, or I guess it was $78,000, um, by doing mass mailings, the, the ORP also ought to have a team who could do video or you know, produce YouTube videos, produce Facebook Live events, um, use all the different tools that are available that your young Americans or, or your uh, young Republicans uh, group has at their fingertips. It's part of your heart and soul. You were born with a cell phone in your hand. Um, most of us weren't. And, um, and just like Art Robinson is the sign guy, GOP should be the mail guy. GOP, the ORP should also um, be the, the video guy. And we should be able to put on events like this. This is the beauty of having good ideas, having, knowing what's true, knowing what's accurate, knowing what's right, and being able to spread that information far and wide. All righty. Thank you, Senator Lithicum. And last for this question is Secretary Mitz. Thank you. Um, I, too, was extremely upset the day after the election when there were several people. Alex was one. Um, I lost my Senator Denise Bowles to a Democrat. Um, Kim Thatcher was not elected Secretary of State. Jeff Goodman was not elected Treasurer. We, um, it was very heartbreaking. Um, as the ORP was able to donate money to candidates for the first time in over 10 years. Um, we had not been able to do that because we had been in debt from when um, Senator Robinson was the chair. Um, what concerns me the most is that the three senators who are on the line don't know what the ORP has done um, for our um, candidates. And I've been the secretary for two and a half years I've not seen a single one of them at any of the meetings. Um, I find that upsetting that they wanna run the party but they're not attending the meetings. Um, I think that's a good question. Thank you. All right, uh, well, thank you very much for that. I think uh, in the interest of everybody's time, we will go ahead and move uh, to closing statements. So every candidate will get two minutes if they want it. Uh, and if they don't want it, I guess they won't talk as much. I don't know. We really appreciate having you all. So um, first up, uh, the order is uh, Secretary Mitz. You get to have your closing statement. Two minutes.
Thank you so much to Union County and the Young Republicans for having this and for inviting me to come. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been an honor to serve as the secretary of the ORP. Uh, the very first state central committee meeting I ever attended for the ORP, um, there was so much infighting that after the meeting at the dinner, the current chair did not show up. She wrote a letter that somebody else read and she immediately resigned her position. Since Chair Courier has taken over, um, we uh, are able to have a great working relationship. Um, I would ask that people allow us to go further and to build on that. And I really look forward to working with the senators, the caucus, working with groups like the Young Republicans to make Oregon a better place. If reelected, I will use my skills as a secretary and administrative assistant and um, continue um, being the record keeper for the ORP. And I will work really hard for Oregon. Thank you. All right, uh, thank you so very much, Secretary Mitz. Uh, next up is uh, Chair Darnell. Well, thanks to Alex and Union County, uh, Lauren, Ari, Jordan, uh, everybody that's on uh, for having us because it's been good. It's been fun. Uh, I like listening to the senators, uh, and I like listening to your uh, to your questions. Uh, you know, I, I I've been at this a little bit. Uh, and every time that a, a position comes up uh, and so either somebody wants me to run or I think I could be effective in that position, I have to ask myself, I, you know, have I been effective? Uh, and if I can't answer that question, you know, in the, in the affirmative, then uh, I step aside and let somebody else do it. And to reiterate what I said in my opening statement, if I didn't think the party was going in the right direction, I wouldn't be on this slate. Uh, I wouldn't run for treasurer. Um, if I thought the party was not going in the right direction, I would take a good hard look at it again and say, you know, am I helping or am I hurting? Uh, and I think the party is going in the right direction. And I think we, uh, I think we're really uh, starting to get some stuff done. I mean, I'm a business guy. I look at numbers. I look at metrics. You know, we're up 60, you know, 60,000 registrations and fundraising is through the roof. And, and we've increased our, you know, the size of our force from uh, 1,600 PCPs to 2,300 PCPs. And all of this stuff tells me that we're, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're heading in the right direction. A lot of people don't know that because, uh, you know, we don't blow our own horn and, and we can certainly be better at internal communications and getting this word out. But whatever happens on Saturday, uh, whether the Senate slate is elected or this slate is elected or a mixture of the slate is elected, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that the senators are taking uh, an interest in the party. Uh, I'd like to see the same on the House side because honestly, they have a seat at the table. Uh, and like Becky said, I've been at this a decade and I've only seen a couple people show up to utilize that seat at the table and it would be great to have their input uh, their experience, uh, and their wisdom. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Secretary. Sorry. Uh, thank you, Chair David Darnell, uh, Congressional District 5. Uh, Senator Linthicum. Uh, Dennis, that's you.
making its yes, way to say something. something. You went dead there, so I didn't know you had called on me. <laughs> okay, I'm I, I, I'm here. I'm alive. The internet came online again. What, what we're seeing tonight, and thank you guys so much for having this meeting. This is the beauty of being part of the Republican Party. This is the beauty of conservative values. We are here to conserve the values of our constitutional form of Republican government. And this means we've got rules, we should be following the rules, but it also means we're free to disagree. We're free to have our own opinions. We're free to uh, use our strengths, use our talents, use our resources in whichever way we think is appropriate. That's the beauty of re our Republican perspective. And so we don't have a hive mind like the leftists do. We don't all think the same. I was explaining in another one of these events, the Democrats all vote the same, every bill on the floor in the Senate. They're just same, same, same. None of them have a unique idea. They do not believe in diversity, especially when it comes to thought. They believe in identity politics and not diversity. And this is a tragedy. And this is one of the items that we need to communicate to young Republicans. We need young Republicans to realize that this is a place where their values can be treasured and their independence supported and they can go their own way. And we will provide a government that believes in that life, liberty and your own just pursuits far better than the Democrat party. The Democrats consistently segregate people, they surveil people, they censor people, they promote violence. They're, they, um, they are the party of mandates and coercion and we're the you guys joining in. Jeez, right. Dennis, you have trouble with that bell. <laughs> All right. Next up, actually, uh, Commissioner Bertschiger. Oh. You know, this is this ain't a battle for power. This ain't a battle for positioning. None of that. Um, when you look at what has happened over the last two years, what the Senate Republicans have done, we've done something as a caucus leader that three other caucus leaders before me tried to do and couldn't get it done. It's not easy to lead a caucus and deny quorum and stop the process to kill really bad legislation. That's not easy. Anybody that thinks it is, is never said in a caucus room. This is about who probably can energize and move the party forward in a faster way. That's what this really is about. And as far as you young Republicans, I really hope you, you heard the words what I said earlier on today. I'm the present. I'm soon gonna be the past. You're the future. You have a bigger role in this than I do. I hope you realize that. So I want everybody to know this ain't a power struggle. This is, we believe we have a better idea how we can move this party forward quicker, and faster so that we can bring some balance to probably the most beautiful state in the 50 states. Thank you.
Sorry, Chair Danforth. Okay, well, I'd like to thank you for having us tonight very much. And um, I'm glad uh, that Herman Bartscheiger, you know, was interested in getting this party moving fast because I can tell you the slate that I'm on with Chair Courier, we are, we're ready to go. We hit the ground running because we actually understand we've come up through the grassroots and understand the operation of the party. I'm new on the executive committee and I've learned a lot. I have ideas and, uh, and ways to implement those ideas to help our party. You know, but what we, have to, what we really need to do is continue the efforts of getting everybody to work together. We are a bottom-up organization. We're not a top-down. We're totally grassroots. And it really needs to be that way. I love the legislators. I, they need to you know, do their job. I like to, them to do that. But you know, I'm retired. I'm asking for your vote for vice chair. I have the time, the resources, and the energy to put into the Oregon Republican Party. I'm open to ideas. You know, this is the beauty of the Republican Party is you can bring, we can have differing opinions, differing views, but I believe at the end, our goal to is, is, the, is the same in the end. We want conservatives uh, running our state and we need to help Republican candidates at every level. This uh, campaigning has uh, taught me even more, actually. It's been quite enlightening. Uh, some of the areas that need improvement. And I would like to, uh, to help get those things involved with and done. And being as I've a sitting county chair, I understand a lot of the tools that are available. And we've got new county chairs that don't have any idea because some of our training, um, we need to get that implemented. We've uh, had recently the organizational meetings and we need to uh, get get some of them trained. So I certainly have the ideas and I'm not running for any other office. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chair Danforth. Chair Courier. <laughs> uh, yes, a lot of names to keep track of and titles and all of that stuff. Um, again, thank you uh, to the Young Republicans of Oregon uh, for putting this together. I thought this was, I think this is very well done. Um, I think it's been very informative uh, and I hope people get a chance to review it, look at it. Uh, not just the live, but later on. Uh, I have to tell you that one of my proudest moments as a chair of the Oregon Republican Party is when our uh, party was seen as having a backbone. And that moment, uh, to be quite frank, and to give credit where credit is due, is when our senators walked out. When those senators walked out and they showed that they were willing to stand up and put everything on the line for their constituents, it brought a lot of positive attention to our efforts here in Oregon. And it was a difficult thing to do. I think as, as uh, Senator Bartschiger said, it was, I'm sure it was a big topic of its discussion and a lot of wrangling and how, how to do it and how to go about it. And I give them my greatest uh, admiration for doing so. Um, it, has, it has done wonders. My position, though, is that I would like them to continue in that role uh, and give it their full focus and continue to fight back in their elected positions. Um, I don't see that running the party is the right thing. I don't think it strengthens our party in Oregon. And uh, I've talked to other states about this, and it just doesn't work that way. So um, the question before you is, are we going to remain a grassroots organization? 
or are we going to be uh, run by elected officials? Number two, uh, we have momentum. Everything, almost everything that I've heard the senators talk about tonight that they are going to do or want to do, we're already doing. If, if we start over again, then it has, you have to start from scratch. And it takes years, literally, to build relationships, the kind of relationships we have in order to accomplish what we have in the last two years. And we've, we've done a great deal in the last two years. Four times the amount of money in 2020 than 2019, as I mentioned earlier, is one example. So as Sonny said, we don't have to uh, get up to speed. We will hit the ground running because we're already on the ground running right now. Uh, right. We are doing what needs to be done uh, to make the party successful. And we're preparing for a very successful 2022 and working right now to line up governor candidates to, to win. Viable candidates that can win that represent our values. All righty. Um, sorry, Thank you I didn't hear the bell. Sure. Apologize for that. There it is. Thank you very much, Chair Courier. Uh, Senator Hurd. Well, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be running for this if I didn't think it was absolutely necessary. Um, going to Salem in super minorities, which has been what I've been in my entire time in Salem, is uh, an unwinnable battle. It's uh, it's destroying my life. It's destroying my community's life. Being in super minorities. Uh, it's a statistical historical fact that we are not winning elections um, and gaining ground in Oregon overall. We are losing by more and more in our statewide elections the last decade. That is undeniable. Just go online and look at our election results in the general elections. Um, if anyone questions my commitment, I'll state this. If you allow me to serve you as chair and I am not doing the best job you've ever seen six months from now, the delegates can vote to ask me to relinquish my position as Senator and I will do so because being chair is more important than being in a super minority in the Senate. Um, I'm doing this for my children. I'm invested in the next, next 80 years because that's how long my babies are gonna be alive. And um, giving all I have is all I know how to do. And being in the Senate is not working at this point. Walkouts cannot be the answer forever. It's destroying my family, it's destroying me and it's not helping my community move forward. So I'll give it everything I have if you allow me this opportunity to serve you. All right. Well, uh, that is all the candidates. I wanna thank every single one of you for attending tonight and helping us. I wanna to apologize to the candidates for some miscommunication on my part, getting everybody set up, but it is really right. awesome that all uh, seven of you were able to show up. Um, I know Senator Thompson wanted to be here if he didn't have a scheduling conflict, but. This is what everybody in the Oregon Republican Party needed was every single one of you to be able to come together and talk about your best vision of the party. And I think you all did that tonight. I don't you know, we we didn't see a massive civil war breakout. I think we saw a lot of really reasonable yeah. discussion. So, yeah, no, 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 we don't we don't want to do that. That's what the Democrat the Democrats do that behind closed doors and. We have a tendency of maybe doing that uh, in front of open doors. We got to learn. We got to learn to solve our differences a little differently. We're on the same team. Exactly. We're on the same team. Hey, Jordan, um, a question for you. Do you run that, that Facebook page? I, I do not. So Who runs the Facebook I, I mainly run it. You run it? Okay, because I'm going to try to get some of our young Republicans in Southern Oregon to start talking to you young Republicans in Northern Oregon. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, Lauren or Ari, were one of you going to do a uh, final note uh, on behalf of young Republicans? 
Yes, I just wanted to say thank you to every one of our party members for joining us tonight, uh, allowing for debate and discussion. We really appreciated it. This is exactly the type of content that we want to bring to our, our party. So this is awesome. Um, we also really enjoyed collaborating with the Union County Republicans. Uh, Alex, we couldn't be more <laughs> grateful for you pitching this idea to us and then putting in the effort. Uh, as we know, um, trying to get young Republicans organized is like herding cats sometimes. So you did a fantastic <laughs> job. Uh, and thank you everyone for watching tonight. We do digital events like this several times a month along with in-person events that we are planning for the future, uh, which is why we would greatly appreciate your donations. They allow us to keep content like this going. Uh, also, please consider joining us by uh, following and sharing the Young Republicans of Oregon on our social media platforms like Facebook, YouTube, as well as our podcast that's promoted on every major platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. So thank you to everyone and thank you to everyone watching.